Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Alright, we're live. I want to try to avoid getting the light in my eye. Uh, it, it keeps the ring light in the eye, man. Man, Whoa. oh man. Breaking the fourth wall a little bit. You can see the room. Whoa. The studio, I think mm-hmm. is what you mean. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what... I My sisters have a pair of those glasses, and they're called blue light glasses. Is that right? Correct. And they're supposed to... Uh, protect your eyes from lasers from the computer? Yeah, from the government. They can't hack me. <laughs> what are they What are they actually supposed to do? They just supposedly block blue light. You know, like the, the, the light you see has this spectrum <clears throat> and blue light, I guess, is like the high, one of the higher frequency lights, but it signals to your brain to stay awake or... It kind of like falsely imitates sunlight uh, or daylight. So it's like, like, especially at night when you're getting ready for bed, it's helpful to not, if you're going to stare at screens, which we all do, um, at least, I mean, the best thing to do is to turn, put away the screen for the last few hours of your day so you can fall asleep naturally um, because your body knows that it's nighttime. But if you're going to stare at something that pretends it's daytime, at least filter out the stuff that really signals to your brain to wake up. At least that's the science behind it. Man, that's some science there. Mm-hmm. But I'm wearing them in the morning because they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's a scientific fact. <laughs> <laughs> you did get me real good this morning when you came in with those. <laughs> the beanie. I just wasn't ready for it. <laughs> it reminds me of... Um, the Parks and Rec, uh, what's that big tech company that comes in and tries to give everybody free internet? And oh, they're gosh, just, in the last season? Yeah, their chill is shiz, I think is what like one of their phrases. Isn't it like, <laughs> is it shizzle or is it it's grizzle? <laughs> it's, I think it's, it's grizzle. grizzle, yeah. <laughs> That's the name of the company? It's, yeah. it's grizzle, and they're all run by these like young adult hipster you know, business professional guys that it's just really funny. That's my, my favorite scene in all of Parks and Rec is when they go and they have some type of like meeting there. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but this gal, she's like their fashion, like hip consultants and she comes out to meet them and it's Tom and Donna and Ron. And they're like, okay, Tom's like, okay, give us all the, what's all the rage right now? And she just says this like ridiculous stuff that's in, <laughs> in Vogue. And then she goes, and this is what I'm most excited about. Beef milk. It's all the rage for its health and like benefits right now. Only sixty four ninety nine per gallon straight from a cow. And, it, and like Beef Ron milk. and Donna are both like just... <laughs> gaping and ron is just looking like more and more mad and it's just it's a very good use of the bleep in the show because he just goes it's effing milk (laughs) it's my favorite scene from all of them it's great that's funny yeah that's uh what something porter she's the 
lifestyle guru from blue yeah yeah you've had soy milk you've had almond milk now try beef milk (laughs) (laughs) that's really clever so on the college campuses it is the hipster vibe i mean it was very much alive when i was there well i guess it was just kind of coming into vogue then in 2012 but is is hipsterness is that still the look there I don't know. I it doesn't seem like it is. Um, at least the way it was when I was in college. So when I was in college, hipster was beginning, as far as I knew. I'd never heard of it before, and it was like guys wearing jeans whose cuffs were skinny. You know, these so-called skinny jeans, which at the time was like nobody wears these. You know, now that's totally mainstream, and every quote basic person wears skinny jeans. Um, what's a basic person basic is like the opposite of hipster it's like you're not original you're not you're just doing like ugg boots and sweatpants and starbucks vanilla lattes like you just that's what everybody does Um, but hipster was always kind of this edge thing where you're like you drink something weird or you drink beef milk and wear skinny jeans and everybody else is wearing flared jeans and drinking soy milk um so now it seems like what was hipster when I was a kid is now kind of mainstream or even lamestream. Um, oh, wow. Good, ver- like good that verbiage, was, dude. That was hipster. Wow. <laughs> and now it seems, I, I don't know what's what's really cool now. It's pretty much like TikTok and choreographed dances, I think. Um, I don't know <laughs> what you talked about, call that. Uh, I did not see that coming. TikTok and choreographed dances? But last night, I was walking back from the gym, and I, there was like a group of six dudes skating on this uh, concrete piece that's like right in front of the library that I, I've walked by a million times and thought, this is like a perfect obstacle for skateboarding if I was halfway decent, because uh, it's kind of like this oddly modern art thing where you can ollie up on it and just like brings you up and you can kind of launch and do a trick off it. And sure enough, all these these kids were doing it. And one dude had a camera, like the old school camcorder that you make skate videos with, not a phone. Oh. And I'm like, this is legit, dude. And oh. they all looked identical. Like I thought they were brothers. They had the same uh, like tufts of hair coming out of their beanies and like long, uh, uh, like, yeah, big baggy jeans and like sweaters, um, like thrift store sweaters. And I thought, this looks like the 90s, dude. They look exactly like skaters in the 90s. Whoa. So I don't understand fashion. Um, but there seems to be like c- certain things that just endure and certain things that change. Like now you're supposed to wear high socks and now you're supposed to wear low socks. And I can't keep up. So I just wear what I I think is cool, which was probably what was cool when I was 18. Yeah. Wow. I There's a lot there. I'm learning uh, a lot this morning. Yeah, I've I've learned a lot, for sure. I have um, I have no idea in answer to the question of what's hip on a college campus, but I do know that I'm more and more convinced. Like this is a this is a sincere prayer of mine, but it's like Lord, just help me to be help me to be like Father Gus and just the same always, mm-hmm. and like thirty years from now, just doing the same thing you know, but solid because that's it, man. I can't, I can't keep up past that. And, but also an even deeper prayer than that 
is like, Lord, help me to not be the 40 year old guy that like wants to be hip so he can relate to the, to the use. Mm-hmm. I have four my, years to not be that guy. Cause I'm 36 six. and I'm still doing that. Right. Right. No, yeah. It's totally different when you're, you're 36, dude. Totally <laughs> That's true. Different. That's yeah. true. <clears throat> so it's like, you're, you're Hey, good. let's just live it. <laughs> Let's just live it these next five, six years. Totally. But then that's the cutoff, you know? Then it's mm-hmm. like, hey, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Then you got to be content yeah. with your uncoolness because you're 40. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. But Rob, have you gone with the hip clip, with the cell phone hip clip? I haven't. I got I to, gotta, you know, get a catalog and order one, I think, or something. I don't know. Get a catalog and, yeah, mail in order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't, but... I am, I am willing. I'll take a hip clip out out there. Oh, I think the hip clip is where I draw the line. Um, my grandfather, he will not, he still won't. Uh, he won't give like any sort of information over the phone to people. So he does have to write it and mail it in. And mm. yeah, you can't, there's just a wall in his head. He just can't give out personal info. Yeah, it's a good thing that there's no way to intercept mail. <laughs> Don't. It's not important. <laughs> that is not important. All yeah, right. There's people definitely listening to your phone call, copying down everything you say. But mail. Well, he sees this, the federal he offense sees to open this, someone like, else's mail. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. He sees us putting in like our credit card information online, and it's like unbelievable. It is wild to think about when we were kids and the internet was born, nobody put their real name or a photo of themselves. And Mm. the idea of putting your credit card number into a computer that's hooked up to the internet was insane because of hackers. And now I think we don't even, well, we don't even do that now because it's just in there. Yeah. My phone is my credit card. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. Yeah. I, yeah. My mom was really big growing up on the, is it Dave Ramsey, which mm-hmm. is like financial, uh, you know, making financial sense, getting out of debt and then learning how to save money and spend it well. And one of his big principles is use cash whenever you can. One, because it actually allows you to be accountable with your spending, but two, it actually makes each purchase that you're making there's a cause and effect. You're, you're like giving, here's a hundred dollars. There's a hundred dollar bill. And I got to give you this hundred dollar bill, right? Which is different than taking your cell phone and just hitting it against another screen. (laughs) And it goes like somewhere in my like bank. Somewhere a decimal point changed. It just went down two zeros. Mm -hmm. And like just the ease of buying things. Now I feel that. I totally feel that. So I, I still try to use cash whenever I can. Nobody takes cash anymore. Well, I'll say this. Um, I agree. I don't want to be a 40-year-old trying to be cool and relevant. Um, but I also don't want to be, and I kind of resolved this in seminary, the priest who just, quote, doesn't do email, you know, like the computer came out and I just don't do it. Because uh, I knew some older priests that were like that. They're just like, this is the way I am and this is how I've adjusted to working and being in the world. Um, so I'm never going to put my credit card into a computer. Like things change. And I've always looked up to my dad for this reason. He's an electrical engineer and he was, you know, 
he was in his 40s and he was the one hooking up a modem in the 90s. We were the first ones on the block to have the internet. Now it was the dorky internet, not American Online, where you could chat and do stuff like that. We all just shared an email box and could get onto internet websites, which were nothing at the time. But <laughs> in any case, he like he was adjusting to the new technology all the time. He still does. He's in his late 60s. And um, he helped me fix the internet at Newman and install speakers and, and all that stuff for the coffee shop. Wow. Um, he's not cool in the sense of like he wears dorky clothes and the same same stuff he's worn for decades, but uh, he adjusts to the new thing and he's not just like this stick in the mud like uh, back in my day. So um, that's where I think it's kind of nice to to be, even though you're in your 40s or whatever, like you know what Slack is or how to do a Google Doc or um, what TikTok is, even if you don't like aren't on it. Like you're not just totally oblivious to what everybody, what everybody's talking about, you know, like squid game. I watched one episode of that. Not impressed. Did you hear everybody talking about that? That's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> no, no, it's not even worth it. Um, Legitimately. I, I read about garbage. it in the newspaper. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, People get killed playing games. Yeah. It's just shock value. Oh. No, no true art value I didn't, that I could see. Sure. Um, unpopular opinion. I felt, I kind of felt that way about Parasite. I don't know if you saw that, but no. similar vibe. Um, is that a TV show? It was a movie. It won Best Picture. Yeah. I remember, I do know what Parasite is, but I never saw it. Wow. Um, and to shift the movie, I watched Dune with my parents and my brother the other night. Did you, have you watched that? Yeah. First of all, my dad had a great line. <laughs> It's set 10,000 years in the future or something or 8,000 years in the future. And uh, it's very like Game of Thrones, medieval kings and titles and houses of such and such battling houses of each of the others. And at one point, they're like, it's a lot of hand to hand combat too, not like drones. And so it's a weird sci-fi where it's like if knights were in the future, but I think they're far enough in the future that you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, like formality came back. You know, it's not like Blade Runner where it's like 40 years in the future. And so it's just all dirty mm-hmm. sp- space time. Um, and <laughs> my dad goes, it's nice to know that in 10,000 years, they didn't improve on the bagpipe. Because <laughs> 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 they're walking into battle and the guy's got a bagpipe. With the bagpipe? <laughs> yeah. Oh, legit, dude. But when I watch shows like that, it makes me, it makes me want to be like up with the times and like a, a man of my age, but at the same time, not of the age in the sense, like what I kind of feel like is archetypal millennial Gen Z 2021 is staring at screens all the time. Like I'm looking at my phone, I'm watching TV, I'm looking at my computer, but like in Dune, they're way off in the future and they have fantastic technology, but they're all just like talking to each other and doing things and you never see them looking at their phones you Hmm. know um it just occurred to me like wow um a lot of time that i spend is wasted you know i'm doing things on these devices and stuff like that but uh i always go back to this old metaphor i heard somebody say like you don't get a riding lawnmower and then mow the lawn and then you like it so much that you just like spend time on your mowed lawn sitting out on the lawnmower which is kind of like what we do with our devices. We do our email and then we're like, 
what else can I do on this? And we just like scroll or, but how to just get out and do something in the real world, which I think we talk about this all the time, but it's a challenge, dude. Well, sometimes I do play football on the mowed lawn. Football though. You're not on the lawn mower. Oh, not on the lawn mower. I've never I'm done saying you that. don't just hang out on your lawn mower, which on is what we do on our phones. Right, right, right. Well, it yeah. I'm thankful after this whole conversation that I deer hunt. So had a great deer hunting weekend last weekend, which was awesome. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And Thank Juice you. Box got another deer. Yeah, it was awesome. It was Are awesome. they going to start limiting him since now he's like really thinning out the population in Illinois? <laughs> I don't think so. It's all in the up. It's all legal. They don't know. They don't know what they've created. Kids don't need tags. They just. It's like as many as you can take. It's all you can eat. Not true, but (laughs) (laughs) I I think that it. um, I'm glad that y'all deer hunt as well, and I part of me wishes that I did also. Um, But I am excited to go up tonight and hang out with my family, and we're probably going to do the same things that we've done. but it's going to be with new people like new nieces and nephews are going to be there getting ready for the holidays. Uh, so there's something the same and good and true. And, but then there's always going to be something a little bit different about getting together. Um, and I am glad that I have those same returning things that I think are essential to my own life. It's like, uh, those things don't change, but then having flexibility, like you're talking about Connor, around the things that do change that can be really hard and Mm. it takes what I think it takes being grounded in the essential things in order to be flexible and on the other stuff that kind of comes and goes. Um, but it's way, way easier to just kind of old man it, you know, and like, Hey, this is what I've learned and you can't teach an old dog new tricks and just kind of write it off. Um, it, it does take a flexibility of spirit. And I don't know what allows people to do that, but I, I do hope that I can do that as well. Um, Cause it's much easier to just say, these are my ways and I'm stuck in it, mm. but to actually be able to change, I don't know. Yeah. There's a, a Von Hillebrand, uh, there's a chapter in that book I've mentioned before, liturgy and personality about the classical man or classical virtue versus, and now I'm forgetting what the, opposite of that is or the corollary is like artificial or something the classical is just the same in every time and place you know like a classic book or classic whatever song that is just always and everywhere something that that hits some human nature thing that just like everybody can glean something from this whereas the more temporal artificial it just you know hits a certain time and place or certain circumstances and it makes sense. But outside of that context, it's just kind of like, what? Um, so you have classical virtues, you have classical vices, you know, classical vice would be like gluttony. Like in every time and place, there's always the temptation to eat more than you need to eat. Whereas like maybe um, addiction to internet pornography is like a, an unclassical virtue or an unclassical vice in that like you have to have this technology and these are algorithms that are like morphing the brain to make this make sense. Like if somebody came in from 1200 or 10,000 from their bagpipe fight 
and looked at like the state of human beings and what we're attached to, they'd be like, this doesn't make, you know, this is unclassical. Um, so the same thing with virtues. Um, there's certain, there's like the classical man that in any time and place can kind of, uh, operate in a temperate and virtuous way. And I think that that's what you're kind of talking about. That's what I thought of when you said, I want to be flexible in the things that change and can change and maybe should, um, not be, not be like attached to, it, it, it seems to me unclassical to be, to, to be attached to the landline, you know, and unwilling to like give that up for the cell phone, you know, which is, that's just like a silly, uh, place to draw your line. Whereas yeah. like, I will draw my line and no, I am going to be a human being in the world and not let the technology trump my humanity and my embodiedness. So that's where I will draw the line. And that, that's what seems to me a classical approach that is just because we live in the internet age does not mean I have to be a robot. I can still be a human being. I can still deer hunt, you know? Yeah. What it would be like, um, cause I think it, that'd be easy. It's a good point. And I think it'd be easy to talk about it in like personal terms, deer hunting be being an example of like, it does kind of fit of even, I mean, I just hunted for like four days with my family. I was away for the weekend. It was awesome. But I did notice how little we were on phones and screens and like outside. And there is, there's just parts of it that are like hard work and, and bloody. And like, it's kind of, you know, there's a lot, um, uh, to it, but it was, it was really fun and like really, really good. But that's, I, that's a personal thing that we grew up with and like get together as a family. So I like that. I like that notion of the classical virtue or the classical man. So like, what is um, not, not a, not rules or I don't know. Does that make sense? What I'm asking of maybe something a little bit more like principled based versus like do this thing that means something to, to you in a way that allows you to do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know that it's all, it's about hobbies, like necessarily. I, I, I agree. First, That's what I'm asking. Yeah. My first thought is Maximilian Kolbe. Like you look at the saints and here he was in a time that was completely unclassical, you know? Um, Nazi occupied Europe, like a totally unique time in history that is so anti-human and anti-classical, uh, anti-truth. And yet he shines as this beacon of humanity, you know, obviously sanctity, um, he's another Christ. He gives his life up for, so that someone else may live. Um, but just like the fact that he can be the way he is in the context that he is. Um, I'm sure to most people was like, no, you like, these are the times that we live in and you have to be this way. Hmm. And I think the saints just prove that no, you there's it's sanctity that never goes out of style, yeah. you know? Um, and when you see a, a man or a woman who is actually alive, when you live in, a, in an age that's mostly lying and mostly not living full lives, um, and maybe, maybe that's a bit negative, but, uh, I suspect that it's partly true, at least in some segments. Um, we just don't, we aren't honest with ourselves or with each other about what we're really made for. And we settle for this, um, way of existing. That's not classical. That's not fully human, fully alive. Then when somebody does, and they're not just a weirdo that's on the fringe, that's like, I'm just going to go live somewhere else and not be with you guys. Um, 
that com- combination is very, very striking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, I mean, we're, we're kind of saying the, the phrase of the, the, I guess it was originally a play that we studied with Father Oaks. Um, and then the, the great movie, A Man for All Seasons, St. Thomas More. And that, I mean, that's a classical man right there, a classical man of Christ. Um, yeah, that's the same in season and out of season. Uh, he's totally present to his age, but he's there in like this timeless way. He's like a timeless presence to the people that are there. Um, but to answer your question, Rob, um, I think, especially when it comes to like hobbies and just different activities that we do, I, I don't think there are some... Well, I wonder if the best way to put it is there are some things that are more human or lend themselves to, um, I don't know what it, what you would call it, like a, a more natural activity that's um, like a predisposition for having actual relationships, actual encounters to having... Uh, meaningful experiences and things like staring at a computer screen. uh, It just, it's not the same as getting out and having attention uh, placed on other people or out in the world, kind of that expanse of moving your attention outwards. Um, Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. Well, and like, and this could, I'm not saying this hits it exactly. Um, but what comes to mind is, I mean, something that's been very helpful to me in the life of a parish priest is, um, I think it was Bema's thing of, uh, you know, everything stops for a funeral and like there, there's something like, even in terms of to, to kind of put this in terms of uh, like 21st century being a parish priest, I think there's something like there's a classical sense to that too of, cause I do try like pastor at a parish, you know, but I try very much to like be out and about and not in the office all day. And, um, I think it's really important to try to bring like this stuff to the parish that will, you know, hopefully like just continue to engage evangelization and, and getting out, which, um, yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about that throughout the throughout the years, but there's something like that's very grounding in that for me as like a principle that if a funeral comes in, everything else stops. So whatever like amazing, incredible idea I have come up with that day, like that stops when this funeral comes in to like be with this family in that way. Does that make sense there? Yeah. Like there's this, there, there's like something practical to that, that I have found very, um, very helpful. And it's been, it's been very freeing. It's been like a very, very much a staple, um, especially weeks when there's a lot going on and like, oh gosh, I, you know, don't know how there's going to be time for this. And it's like, it's okay. Everything else can, you know, can be pushed back or this is number one. Yeah, you know, it's really true. Like that principle has stuck in my head, even as a Newman chaplain. I don't get a lot of funerals, but when I do, it's still famous voices in there because um, there's like a little argument in my head like, oh, should I ask the, you know, the priest at the parish to do the funeral so I can be here for this thing? And um, 
because you know they'll ask me to do it because i know the family or something and i'm just like no this is the most important thing and that's it's one of those principles that is true in every time and place as a parish priest you drop what you're doing and you attend to a family who just lost somebody and you bury the dead um man i don't remember him saying that i must have i was probably sick that day well now you're hearing it all right yeah so like what are those what are those things that are just always true the never skip leg day kind of things um <laughs> you know, no matter where you are well there's two it's yeah. funerals and leg day leg day that's yep for sure you know i think um little things ways of like uh, going against the stream a little bit have helped me for instance writing letters being intentional about actually writing people letters i get a totally different feeling in my heart after i'm done writing letters than i do after i'm done doing email um even if i write like heartfelt emails to people it's not the same as like licking it, putting a stamp on it and putting it in the mailbox. Um, you, Mike, you'd paint. I don't know if you still do that, but I'm like, I'm bad at drawing. But every once in a while, I'll just like go sit somewhere and draw a picture of what I'm sitting in front of. And it doesn't turn out that good, but it makes me afterwards feel more aware and attentive of reality, you know, because I'm trying to reproduce it, recreate it. Uh, instead of just consume it all the time, you know? Um, so little things like that, where you just kind of step out of the stream of, of constant consumption into creation and relationship, um, I think help be, make us classical. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's a good question. It's a super good question. Um, I, there's a, Paul sent out this podcast to us. Um, it's the a conversation between Peterson and Bishop Barron's on it. They, I think they just put it out maybe two or three days ago. It's called The Four Horsemen of Meaning, which is such a cool title. That's cool. And John Verveke, Jonathan Pajal, Peterson, and Bishop Barron. And they're, they're talking about meaning and um, the deeper kinds of meaning. Hey, and just all, real quick, let's just throw this out there to – to Peterson, like seven horsemen of meaning mm-hmm. and we're on it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's out there now. <laughs> yeah. The four horsemen and, and maybe three, three little ponies just heading <laughs> end up behind. Hey guys, we're coming. <laughs> we're behind you. Um, and all of them to some extent talked about the the importance of like where you focus your aim and where you focus your attention that that's a big part of uh, how meaning lays itself out in your life because there are so many things that come at us information and people and experiences and things and artifacts and tools and all this different stuff and so you got to sort through that and actually the way that you sort through it the things that you choose to focus on and like give your aim to is a part of the things that that that's what you give your attention to. That's how you line up meaning and how you make sense of your life. And it seems like um, th- that God has created us to do that infinitely and to, to look to like the infinite horizon of the things that are coming at us. Mm-hmm. And the screen activity is the opposite of that. Uh, actually, there's a, a, a commercial out there 
kind of blew my mind when I saw it. It like goes through all these different circumstances and situations out in the world with people fighting and, and then things growing and people making stuff. And it's like this huge, beautiful narrative story. And it says like, bring the whole world and it shrinks down and it's a girl watching her computer. Yeah. And she's stuck and she's just in her room. Mm -hmm. And it was like, the whole world is here in front of your computer screen. Instead of uh, like this little computer screen, now we need to move out into the expanse of the world. It was, it was a reduction of it. And so like, I I don't even know what I'm saying right now, but there are certain activities that orient our attention towards things that they're not necessarily inherently better, but they're at least like a move in the right direction that if you want to have human experiences, like you need to be with other people and you need to have your attention moved towards them and activities like that, which is, that's what the liturgy is. That's what like the deer hunt is. That's what hanging out with my family is and playing sports and doing art, all those different things. There's a, I want to focus my attention on the other to some extent. Um, and like doing that at least seems to be like a, a predisposition for having real human interactions, uh, which I, which is what Jesus wants. He wants us to be fully alive. He wants us to be human. You know, it reminds so the me atti- of this. Um, yeah. oh, go ahead. Well, just the attention thing that made a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. and like how many times I give my attention to the, even the computer screen thing, like it literally orients me downward. My neck, I have a sore neck when I watch too much TV. Like, Taco oh. neck. That's like navel gazing, dude. Mm-hmm. What's that? Is that what's that's called Taco neck? No, that's from an old Taco Bell commercial when Shaq Taco neck fixes his free throw. <laughs> Find that one, Megan Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I got to get going, but you know that what you just said about that girl with the computer screen really reminds me of this Chesterton fable. I can't remember what book it's in. But it's about these two boys that are granted a wish and one wishes to be a giant that can step across continents with one step and one wishes to be a pygmy that's like half the height of a blade of grass. And the kid that becomes a giant, uh, you know, goes over to China and messes around with the Great Wall of China and sees all the great wonders of the world in minutes and becomes bored and then uh, like sits down and then something happens to him. I think he's killed by all the people or something like that. So he ends in this tragedy, whereas the pygmy kid is, you know, not even halfway through the backyard after years and is still having great adventures. Hmm. Um, And the point of it being that actually to be fully alive, human is to be small, like small is adventurous. But the, the moment you shrink the world down and you're this big giant, that's just like have access to everything all the time, which is what that commercial is saying. Like take all of the big, crazy reality that's out there that causes you to you know um come alive with the spirit of adventure and desire and risk you know danger and even death and just stay at home and put it all on a computer screen you can never you know you never get hurt and you just you can do anything you want all the time that's the giant and it's like it's not it's better to just put that away and go out into the big world and acknowledge yeah. the reality that you are small and that's good. Hmm. 
We need shrink rays. We need shrink rays. Honey, I shrunk the kids. All of that. I shrunk the kids. We'll do the whole thing. <laughs> we'll just do it all. We, it's about time we start using lasers for good things like shrink rays <laughs> and not shooting blue light into our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> lasers. That was one of our first inside jokes was lasers. Yeah. First advertisement. Mm-hmm. Guerrilla marketing campaign. I've always wanted to be part of an inside joke. <laughs> Welcome. Come on in, friend. <laughs> All right, right, let's finish up here, yeah? Yeah, it's good Good talking to you guys. Oh, there they are. <laughs> Those beautiful, beautiful hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not the same. Follow Three Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.